Um, a lot of stuff going on inside the building. We've redone some painting. We've tore out some walls. We put in some new flooring, a lot of tech stuff, uh, new carpet. Let me tell you what happened with the carpet. We, we had carpet ordered, and it was supposed to come in, you know, sometime back. It didn't come in. It didn't come in. Finally, carpet came in this week, and, and uh, one of our members, Ken Jenkins, is over there installing it for us, and he, he went to pick it up and uh, took it open, cut the roll and looked at it, and it was the wrong color. And, oh, we had already ripped all the carpet out of the building, and they have a service there this morning, and we're thinking, oh, no. And uh, Ken worked some magic for us, <laughs> talked with the people. Actually, I'm sure God opened the door for this. And they actually gave us that carpet, let Ken go over, paid for Ken to install it, and gave us the adhesive to do it. So that and then when the new carpet comes in, we can rip that out and put it in for good. But Ken, we, they gave it to us for free, essentially. So uh, really cool. Yeah. <laughs> So a lot of stuff going on. We've got advertising that has started, but we've got a lot of that more to come. But people, the, the biggest thing is there's just a buzz in town. Actually, our daughter, Carrie, who's uh, married to Cameron, who's a campus pastor there now, um, walked into a hardware store yesterday or sometime this week. And uh, the guy running the store said, point there, he goes, aren't you the pastor's wife of that new church here in Paul. She's like, how's this guy know who I am? He had no clue. But, but people are talking about it. We are expecting a good crowd on the 28th. And by the way, I've, we've heard a number of people talk about going over. My suggestion to you is maybe try next Sunday, the 21st, or maybe on the 5th. Um, next Sunday, we'll begin doing our service there. We're just not promoting it to the public yet. We want to sort of make sure we've got our feet on the ground there and everything going right. So next Sunday, actually, there's probably plenty of room, a great opportunity to go. Uh, on the 28th, we don't know how many people will show up. And uh, so it might be very crowded. If you happen to go on the 28th, my suggestion would be be ready to move if you need to, to give up your seat in case there's a crowd there. We don't know what God's going to do, but if that happens, please, if you're from Fremont, be willing to give up your seat for somebody there. That'd be great, and uh, we're looking forward to what God's going to do there. We're closing out the uh, Branded series today. Actually, this whole series, as I've been th- uh, listening to it, I've been th- always, what comes to my mind is that old television series, Branded. Anybody remember that? Few few people, few yeah, yeah. It was you know back in the '60s, black and white. First year actually, then they went to color the next year, but uh, 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 Chuck Connors, you, you know Chuck Connors. Everybody knows Chuck Connors, right? And okay, um, <laughs> but he he played a part of this guy who was in the cavalry who got uh, accused. Uh, wrongly of being a coward and he gets kicked out and branded as a coward and so that's the whole series and actually the theme song for the for the show set up the show every week it showed the same uh, showed told the whole story of the series telling that and uh, and and it goes I'm not gonna sing it for you because I want you to stay for the service but uh, but but it, it's it asks a question what do you do when you're branded and then it comes down to the final line, and it says, hey, for the rest of your life, you must prove you're a man. And what they're saying there is he's got to live out what he knows to be true. As Christians, we've been branded in a good way, but we also have to live out what we know to be true. We've talked about some of these characteristics that mark us or should mark us as Christians, gratitude and love 
and obedience. Those should be marks that show up in our lives. Today, though, I want to talk about another characteristic that marks us, but this one is one that absolutely marks us if we are really followers of Christ. See, this isn't something that we do as much as it is something that's been done to us, and that is we are forgiven. I don't know, maybe that seems too obvious to us. As Christians, we all sort of get it. We, you know, we all know the bumper sticker, right? Christians aren't perfect, they're just forgiven, right? But even as Christians, I think, who understand that we're forgiven, I think we aren't gripped enough by that thought. And as a result, we don't get the joy out of it that we should. And that's, to me, the living out part of this mark in our lives. The fact that we've been forgiven should change our approach to every single day. See, the basic idea of the, of the Greek word forgiven is, a, is, is about release. We all need release, don't we? We need release from our guilt. We all need to know and be convinced that we've been released from that. But, but some of us, some of us still don't feel that way. I mean, we've been pardoned, we know that. The debt's been canceled, we know that. And we say that in nice, comfortable church settings. But then we go out into our week and, and some of us are still carrying out around a boatload of guilt. We feel trapped. The good news is we don't have to do that. We can live life a different way. God's given us a, a, another route to take. This past week, man, I had one of the weirdest dreams I think I've ever had. Um, we were, I was in my dream camping with some family members. And then uh, for some reason, I realized I needed to go to the airport. And, and so I take off for the airport, but I get partway there and I realize, wait a minute, I was supposed to take somebody else with me. So I turn around to go back and pick up whoever this was, and I can't find my way. I'm completely lost. I have no idea. We're out west somewhere in the middle of nowhere camping, and I can't find my way back. I end up in this, uh, this weird little town in the middle of nowhere, and it's just sort of strange to me. And, and, and I, no matter who I ask, I don't get the right directions to get out, even out of town. I can't seem to get out of town now. I'm stuck in town this little gloomy town. And the people, at first they seem sort of normal to me, but then as I spend more time there, I start realizing these people are not regular people, these people are zombies. <laughs> now, I've not really gotten into the whole zombie craze thing, but, so I don't even know why this came to my mind, but, um, and they don't look like zombies that you'd see in a movie or on TV. These people look perfectly normal, but somehow I figure this out they're zombies and they want me, you know, and so they're trying and everything, everything I do is sort of held up. Everything I do is I, I'm, I, I can't get anywhere. They're all after me. They start trying to pin my car in. I happen to have a gun with me, but the gun, every time I pick it up to fire it, it's on safety. It's everything I do is going wrong. And I, I'm trapped. And that's the way some people feel about the guilt that they're in. As, even as Christians, nothing seems to work. They move from defeat to defeat. They, they know very little about victory in their lives. They confess sins that they've confessed a thousand times, but sti they still feel guilty. They feel trapped. But what we know 
because of God's promises, that's not necessary. We don't have to live being and feeling trapped. The truth is his forgiveness is complete and it should impact every moment of our lives from the time we give our lives to him. Whether we recognize it or not, it does. And it surely makes life much more enjoyable when we do recognize it. So primarily this morning, I'm talking to, to Christians because it's, it's our sin that's been forgiven. But if you're not a Christian, you haven't placed your faith in Christ alone for salvation, to know what it is to have your sin for you. All that we're talking about this morning, it's available to you. It's available to you if you'll turn to him. If you'll turn to him and rely on his son's death on the cross and ask for forgiveness, he'll come into your life, forgive your sin, and give you a new life. It's available if you'll simply ask him. But for as believers, if you're going to enjoy this great gift, there's several things I think you've got to remember. First, you've got to remember the condition we were in. Knowing that condition will make you appreciate even more this gift. Because the condition we were in wasn't good, was it? Uh, we, we talk about being stained with sin sometimes. I'll make it clear. This is, you know, when, when we talk about being stained with sin, it's not about like a... St- you know, if we have a shirt on and we get a little stain on it, you know, we, sometimes we, I think that's the way pe- people picture their life, you know, that mostly it's, it's white, mostly it's clean, but we've got this one, I've got this one little issue that I can't quite get rid of. I've got this one little stain that's sort of marking me. That's not what we're talking about when we're talking about being stained with sin. Staining, being stained with sin means that every aspect of our life, every part of it, is covered. It's like we took somebody instead of just, you know, dropping a little mustard on them. It's like they were taken and just dunked in a barrel of grape juice or something, you know, anything that would stain you, and it's just dripping off. That's what we're talking about when we talk about being stained with sin. It impacts everything about us. Think about some of the ways the Bible describes us before we became believers. Kevin mentioned one last week where the Bible describes us as enemies of God in Romans 5.10. And I know we we didn't view ourselves that way. We didn't feel like we were. But we were at war with God. That's what God says. Because of our sin nature. The Bible goes on. It says in Ephesians 2, 1, that we are dead in our sin, spiritually dead, completely unable to do anything that would show any aspect of life. It wasn't there. Without hope and without God in this world, Ephesians 2, 12 says, that's the way we were because of our sin. Nothing more sad than living without hope. And yet that's exactly where we were. And that coming from the fact that we were without God. Living without hope and without God. Deserving of death, Romans 6.23 tells us. Before God, as we stood before him, we had been found guilty. And the sentence by God himself was that we should die. That's how serious our sin was. We were described as sons of disobedience in Colossians 3.6. Sons of disobedience. Disobedience was our father. Disobedience became our very nature. It was what we did naturally. We were called children of wrath in Ephesians 2, 3, living under the very wrath of God. You get the picture? We were a mess. 
you know, sometimes we're told as we're watching the news or something that, you know, what's, what's about to be shown is, is graphic. There's nothing you would see on the news or anywhere else that is as graphic as what we were in our sin before God. That's what we were, and on our own, that's what we still are. If you remember how the Apostle Paul described himself when he took a look at his life. I mean, remember, this is the Apostle Paul. <laughs> took a look at his life and the struggle he had with sin, and he concluded in Romans 7, 24, wretched man that I am, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body, from the body of this death? You ever feel that way? You ever get looking at your life and you're just saying, wow. I know I'm a believer. I know I've trusted Christ, but I'm looking at my life and I see, that, I see where I fail. I see the things I'm supposed to do that I'm not doing. I see the things I'm not supposed to do that I am doing. And I just come to the conclusion, man, I am, I am a wretched person. Might as well face that reality because if we want to enjoy this gift of forgiveness, you got to come to this very first thought of remembering the condition you were in and still are on your own. You've also got to remember the price that was paid. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. So how were we redeemed? Not by something that was empty, not by something that was decaying, not by something that was futile, but with precious blood. Precious blood. Actually, the word precious in the Greek is, is and this is the truth, is, this, is the same root word as the, is the word Timothy. Yes, yes, it is. Isn't that nice? And it makes sense, right? It's talking about something of great value. It's talking about a, paying a price of great worth. His blood like a lamb unblemished and spotless, completely innocent, completely pure, meeting all the requirements from the Old Testament for a sacrifice. His blood, the ultimate sacrifice, so good that it would never have to be repeated. Right, the writer of Hebrews tells us it was given once for all. That sacrifice was once for all, once for all time, once for all people, once for all sin, once for all. It doesn't matter how many times you've committed that sin. It doesn't matter how serious that sin was. That sin was covered in that ultimate sacrifice, that sacrifice that was once for all, poured out for us in our place, paying the penalty for our sin, our mess, our stain. And then think how that our stain was placed on him. 2 Corinthians 5.21, we sang about this morning. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. Talk about paying a price. The only son of God who for all eternity had reigned in glory, fully deserving of all the honor and praise he received as myriads of angels served and worshipped him. He made him, that one, who knew no sin. He had no personal knowledge of it because he had never taken one step of disobedience. But he made him who knew no sin to be sin. All of that mess that we were in and that we deserve, he took it on himself. Can you imagine that? All The one who through all eternity had had 
praise and worship heaped on him, who had service heaped on him, that one now has our sin instead heaped on him, placed on him. Talk about a sacrifice so gruesome, our sin on him, that for the first time in all of eternity, the Father turned away, dying in our behalf, in our place. And it's that price that was paid that makes us love him in the first place, right? First John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. His love demonstrated in his death on the cross. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. That love demonstrated. What kind of amazing love is that? That God himself would turn to those who are spiritually dead, sons of disobedience, children of wrath, his enemies, and love us so much to send his son to die for us and pay this high price for us. This price that causes us not to take for granted the fact that we are forgiven. Remembering that price keeps us from taking our sin lightly. Romans 6, 2 says, how shall we who died to sin still live in it? How is that possible? It's too great a price to ignore. But we were so stained with sin that it was the only price that would work. You want to enjoy the gift of being forgiven? you got to remember the price that was paid. Go back and remember what you were without it. Go back and remember what you are without it. But also remember that price that was paid. And then you've got to remember the results that come from it because of what he did. Because of what he did. Things did a 180 for us, didn't they? I mean, it's, it's such great stuff. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. God's, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. He made us alive. You were, we were dead. He gave us a spiritual heartbeat. He breathed life into us because of the price he paid. We were taken from death to life. We've been made alive. And he, he wiped out our sin. Isaiah 44, 22 says, I have wiped out your transgressions like a thick cloud and your sins like a heavy mist. Return to me for I have redeemed you. He, he wiped our sins. He redeemed us through the cross. He bought us back and wiped out those transgressions like a cloud. How easily do you think he moves a cloud? How easily has he wiped out our sins? And Psalm 103.12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. How far has he moved them? It's, it's, in, it's unmeasurable. They've been completely removed. But not only has our sin been removed, but listen to the words again of 2 Corinthians 5.21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Our sins removed and it's replaced by what? The righteousness of God. God's righteousness given to us, credited to us, messed up people that we are. He still credited us with his own righteousness so that even if, if we are messed up people, even though we are what Paul called wretched people, Paul was able to go on to say, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. 
No condemnation from God. It doesn't matter, again, what's happened in our past. It doesn't matter how many times it's happened. If you turn to him, God has accepted you. And he took us, his former enemies, and made us his children, adopting us into his family. How good is that? If God's accepted us, then we don't have to walk through life trapped in guilt. There's not a judgment against us that will condemn us if we've trusted in Christ. You're feeling trapped by guilt and sin. There's good news. We don't have to. The price that was paid was high enough. It was sufficient. And our feelings of guilt and all of our effort on our own, none of that will pay for our sin. But his sacrifice did. Romans 6 goes on to tell us, in fact, as we try to live out our life, that we've been set free from sin. It's no longer our master. We don't have to serve it. We can tell it no. We've been forgiven of it all. We've been released from it. And before our father, our sin has been replaced with righteousness. No wonder David wrote in Psalm 32.1 how blessed or happy, the word means, is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Forgiven. No, how... Of every sin, it's all covered in Jesus' blood. As dark and messed up as we were, this incredibly valuable price was paid so that you and I can walk free, free of guilt, free of condemnation. How happy are we that we are bonded with his love and forgiveness? Because that changes everything for us. It should change every day for us. So thankful that we, by his grace, have been forgiven of all our sin. If you're walking around feeling trapped by sin and guilt, there's good news here. As Christians, we, we don't play little minds. We, we, we don't try to think more highly of ourselves. We don't go around feeling self-righteous. We readily acknowledge and remember the, the condition we were in before Christ. And to enjoy this, his forgiveness, we also remember the great price that was paid for us. And we remember the results that brings our lives. And we can celebrate his amazing love that releases us from the guilt of our sin. Well, I hope you, if you're a believer today that you're walking out of here encouraged. If you've been trapped, feeling trapped in sin and guilt, I hope you're walking out of here knowing that there's a, there's a resource and it's in God himself that is sufficient for you to walk through life not carrying that burden on your own. As we get ready to close in just a minute here, we want you to know too that the pastors are, are, would love to talk to you about any issue you want to talk about. We'll be back in room one after the service. You can come out and talk to us. And if you're here and you're not a believer, you haven't ever come to that point of faith, turning to Christ, all that we're talking about, forgiveness, complete forgiveness, ultimate forgiveness, lasting forgiveness is available to you if you'll turn to him. And we would, we would, we would take the whole day if you needed, but if you just, it, whatever it takes to talk to you about knowing Christ and coming into relationship with him, if you have questions, if you want to know what it means to even walk with him, we would be so enjoy talking with you about that. You can come back to room one. It's right over here after the service. We'll be there to talk with you, okay? But believer, please, please walk out of here knowing the joy of knowing your sin's taken care of.
Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your grace and your mercy and all of your provisions for us. Thank you, God, that we know that your son's sacrifice is sufficient. As, as messed up as we were, it took his death to pay our price. Every sin, every feeling of guilt has been lifted because of him. We love you. We thank you for loving us, bringing us into your family, for meeting every need. We praise you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.